Hey, y'all. Just a quick topical note before we get into the episode. If you're already in the Supernatural fandom, then you might have seen some recent hashtags going around supporting three shows that are each tied to the SPN cast. For context, the current projects of Supernatural stars Jensen Ackles and Jared Padalecki have just wrapped up their seasons, while Misha Collins' show is still ongoing. And the shows are in various states of peril. Ackles is producing The Winchesters, which was canceled by its network, The CW, and needs to find a new home. Padalecki also took up the producer role in Walker Independence, which also didn't get a renewal by The CW. And Collins stars as the legendary villain Two-Face in Gotham Knights, which is currently being considered for renewal, but it's still on the bubble. So it feels relevant to the topic of this episode to encourage everyone to keep promoting the hashtags Save the Winchesters, Save Walker Independence, and Renew Gotham Knights to help out these shows from our favorite actors. Okay, now on to the episode, which we hope will be a palate cleanser after last week. Last episode was all about the problems of fandom, focusing on examples from the Supernatural fandom. But I want to get back on the main road and our core focus of community, creativity, and collaboration. I think we've made a pretty clear argument for creativity in our early episodes on writing, art, and audio, but I want to spend some time specifically looking at the community aspects today. Because as it turns out, there's actually a sizable amount of research focused on fan communities. Although that's definitely more of a recent development. Fan studies was so young as a field that Kathy and I thought, okay, well, we need to catch up on what all the research is. So in one summer, we devoted the whole summer to reading, sounds preposterous, everything that had been published about fan studies. And we did it in a summer because there were like 20 things. That's Lynn Zabernis, who you first heard in episode two. And the Kathy she's referencing to here was longtime friend and collaborator Catherine Larson, who sadly passed away in 2022. Fan-focused research is generally considered to have begun in 1992 as an outgrowth of media studies. One of the pioneering researchers in the field was Henry Jenkins, who promoted the idea that fans represent the vanguard of a new relationship with mass media through the ways they create and critically engage with that media. Although Jenkins didn't view fandom in a negative light, the work of other early researchers tended to be quite pathologizing. I mean, it was all, this is a long time ago, fandom studies was like, it wasn't even a field, really. It was, it was brand new. And so what I found was really pathologizing research that talked about things like erotomanic delusions and that fans had lost touch with reality and parasocial relationships in the most negative way you can view them as one person sort of being like, ah, and the other person being like, you don't even exist to me. This description that Lynn first encountered felt so far away from her actual lived experiences within the supernatural fandom. I'm experiencing this vibrant, healthy community of people who are expressing their real selves, maybe for the first time and connecting with other people around whatever it is they love. And this seems like a good thing to me. People are discovering creativity and being supported in that. Like, why does what I'm seeing not fit with the research? So that's what spurred me. I was like, well, hell, I'm going to do my own research. I don't think this is right. So that, that was a real good motivation. 
And sure, we could say that Lynn had some what psychologists call motivated reasoning going on here, i.e. reasoning that's motivated by internal goals. But honestly, hearing Lynn's take on the early fandom research reminded me of a friend of mine, Kyle, who researches gaming. She's always said that in the early days of research on video games, there was a lot of fear-mongering. And just like fandom studies, it was a lot of reactionary nonsense. Video games make children violent. It's melting their brains. Won't someone think of the children? (laughs) The reaction was the same when television entered homes. And when radio broadcasts started playing fictional radio dramas. And even after the invention of the dang printing press. Early adoption of these new forms of media are often only seen in this negative light. It took years before studies started to show how video games could increase pro-sociality, that is, make people better at cooperating, and it could improve some cognitive abilities like spatial reasoning, and could even help with attention and memory. That's not to say all video games are equally good for your brain and social skills. Some games do seem designed for conflict or mindless addiction without the other benefits. And fandoms function in much the same way. Thankfully, modern fandom research has moved beyond pathologizing. In fact, many researchers have found that fandom can be a mirror and a model for the values we hold important in our lives. People would argue that it's that's silly, but we imitate everyone, fictional or, or alive, whether we look at our grandparents, parents, uncles, aunties, godparents, whomever, teachers, coaches, we, we, we take bits of them. To, to, to form our lives in a lot of ways. Either we're going to go in, we're going to go in accordance with or completely the opposite direction of, but right, but it still becomes a mirror through which we kind of have to, you know, situate ourselves. And I think fandom is a wonderful mirror with how to uh, navigate society in ways that aren't rote. Sean Taylor, a fandom researcher we first met in episode one and former student of Henry Jenkins, argues that which properties fans resonate with comes down to values. Because I think in every fan property, there are a set of values. And I think that you can see how those values play out by the majority of their fans and how their fans, especially online. So Rick and Morty is what? Nothing but snark and casual cruelty a lot of the times. Is it creative? Absolutely. But then you look at their fans. Their fans are doing worse. So the underlying messages or themes of a property can be picked up by the fans, whether consciously or not, and end up forming a lot of the social basis of that fandom. Of course, I asked Sean specifically about Supernatural. What I think what Supernatural really does, I mean, value-wise, if you look at it, you know, axiologically, it's it's really about having someone who always has your back despite everything. Like, there's something powerful about being loved to the point where I will go to hell for you. In fight, there's something powerful about there's something powerful about being able to face danger head on that a lot of people who don't have that in their real life. Sean isn't even in the SPN family, but even he can tell that one of the core aspects of Supernatural is that family don't end in blood. Another message I've picked up from the show that resonated with me was team free will, that we deserve to be and should be actively driving our own lives and destinies. The importance of family, choosing to fight evil, recognizing right and wrong doesn't always fall along neat lines a la Meg or Crowley, 
and carrying on and knowing that there will be peace when you reach the end of a journey. There are lots of powerful themes that speak to the fandom and encourage the supportive community that I've come to know. So far, we've really focused on the research around fandom communities, but let's get more specific with SPN family. So much of the last episode was about the negative aspects of the highly internet-based supernatural fandom, the flame wars, pylons, and general bickering that can happen within an online community. But I feel like that description really only shows one side of the community's interactions. Sure, there are fights, but there's also so much support as well. In fact, the first ever Supernatural convention wasn't one of the creation entertainment cons that we have today. It was a purely fan-organized and run event. My first four conventions were WinCon, which was a fan-run convention with no actors. So it was just fans and you were there to meet your favourite fic author or your favourite artist, and we, we had panels and everything. As Jules from the SPN Wiki says, the earliest cons were about meeting fellow creators in the fandom. Rather than attending panels with cast members, attendees got to fan over their favourite fic writers or artists. And as of 2007 and into today, fans can experience the in-person SPN community at official Supernatural conventions. According to the Supernatural Wiki, and as of May 2023, as I record this, there have been over 240 total conventions across nine countries. This also includes multiple panels at major comic conventions like San Diego Comic-Con. In 2016 alone, there were 29 conventions. And at conventions, like those hosted by Creation Entertainment, Many of the workers you might see at one of these events are often fans themselves. I don't, I don't feel like I'm missing anything. Like I, but that's because I enjoy like seeing the fans and hanging out with people and meeting new people and all that. So that's exciting to me. Chantil didn't start attending SPN cons until 2019, but she's found just as much joy working the conventions as she has just going as an attendee. It's really as a volunteer that she gets to see the best fan-to-fan interactions. I have seen people, you know, because again, with talking about like online fandom, I've seen so many people meet each other that for the first time, like, oh my God, are you so-and-so, whatever your handle is on Twitter? And you're like, yes, that's me. And just like the embrace and just, oh my God, like I've wanted to meet you for so long. And then like, I've seen people like, lifelong friendship out of just, you know, they they met online or whatever, or sometimes just seat mates. For her, conventions offer a rare view of when online friends finally get to meet. She can watch how community solidifies live. Just to see their the excitement and just knowing that they can be themselves there, you know, and be comfortable and actually have something in common. Because sometimes that's, you know, sometimes that's not that's not real life. You know, sometimes people are very lonely or they just, you know, they they like things that other people that they're around don't like. So to be in a place where everybody likes the same thing, it's good. It's a good thing. In the last episode, we talked a lot about how online communities and fan communities in particular can nurture toxic elements. But I didn't want you to think that all online fan interactions have this element of infighting. 
Actually, remember back in episode three when Jackie, aka Winchester Reload, mentioned how she runs a Subtober? It's an online project to promote fellow artists in the fandom all throughout the month of October. So Jackie told me that she knows she has a particularly big platform as an artist and wants to put it to good use. And in fact, through doing such events, she's inspired others like fic author Robin to also pay it forward by creating and sharing a list of recommended stories that deserve a little more love. Jackie's post got me seen. So like, that just makes me think of how many more people there are out there that aren't getting seen and deserve to be. And that's something I have always tried to tried to like like I have a whole AO3 collection called the lesser known fix collection it's not meant to be like derogatory it's just every fic in that collection was recommended by somebody who thinks it deserves more love this type of creative support seems to be the norm in the SPN family I see fans constantly promoting each other's work and that communal spirit goes beyond just the creative projects and they're always very quick to open their pockets and try like it's it's so funny because like I have a Kofi and Patreon and a bunch of my friends who are other supernatural creators do too and we're just kind of like passing the same three dollars back between us like different different days in the month it's like oh now it's in your account for two days and now it's in their account for two days now it's in his account for two days just because you know, we want to support each other as much as we can. This is Valerie, who you heard very briefly on the last episode of this podcast. Valerie is a fellow nerd after my own heart. I knew I had to speak with her when I learned that she did her graduate research on fandom and pilgrimage. I did my master's thesis looking at how fans mourn a celebrity using David Bowie as a case study. And a big part of that was pilgrimage. And the fact that when Bowie died, people turned his birthplace in South London into like the Bowie destination to go and like connect with him and mourn and connect with other fans. It was a struggle not to fully go down all the tangents I wanted to ask Valerie about her research, but I do want to share one snippet that ties back to the Supernatural fandom. So I'm a huge fan of Down to um, Agincourt, which is the 1.1 million word fan fiction by our Lord and Savior, Sepris. Um, and I have plans to go to the San Francisco Supernatural Convention later this year, and I will be stopping at the Winchester Mystery House, which plays a big role in that fanfic, but otherwise has absolutely nothing to do with the show. And I'm like, this is really interesting. How am I going to explain to the tour guides there that I'm there because this house is an elder god in love with a person? I don't know, but I'm excited to try. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Valerie was one of many fans that I heard stories about how she found a community within SPN family and made lifelong friends. I have all of these friends literally all over the world. I can get on a plane or a train or a bus and end up in a random city I've never been to before and meet up with somebody who like knows me like the back of my hand. And that I think is really cool. Um, whereas I could meet up with a former classmate that I spent, you know, four years with and we, we would be total strangers otherwise. Besides having friends that she can visit all over the world, she also spoke of the ways that this found family supports each other. The, the amount of like life advice, support, you know, emotional, uh, physical, financial, and, you know, the, the supernatural family and fandom is very, for all of its problems, it's very, very supportive and very, very caring. And, you know, if 
you're willing to open yourself up and say like, hey, I'm having this problem. People are very willing to support you for the most part. And I think that's really cool too. I could just keep repeating in a million different variations on how the SPN family supports and uplifts each other. But why listen to just my voice when we can hear from the rest of the community as well? And these are people that have changed my life in ways that never would have happened without Supernatural. So I think that for the most part, fandom is just amazing. It amazes me what it can do and the community that it brings together. It it sometimes strikes me that this show has led me to so many of my closest friends who I would consider like family because we all just watched this TV show and loved it. And then we all decided that we were going to talk about how much we loved it like online and that kind of like brought us all together hell yes i love having this band of weirdos they're all so creative and and i think that's something that's really great about the fandom is they're they're not like mainstream people so they tend to be more like genuine to themselves like nobody's really like pretending to be somebody they're not for the most part And so you get more like legitimate interactions with people. And that I really appreciate. It just makes everything even better because now you've got the fan, the fandom, you've got the show, and now you've got lifelong friends. And you know, you you don't go into this thinking that that's gonna happen. You think maybe somebody might like your story or your art or whatever it is that you're creating. And maybe you've touched that person for, you know, however long that they've, either looked at your artwork or read your story but then there are people that really really reach out to you and touch you on an emotional level and want to be your friend and you just connect with that person or persons and the next thing you know they're in your life in a way that you never thought was possible and I think that's the best part of Supernatural. I feel like now there are still people coming into the fandom who are interested because they've seen the fandom operating peripherally. Like maybe they've witnessed Gish, maybe they've witnessed some other fundraiser or, you know, um, like merch or artists, fan art, whatever. And they see like the good that this fandom does or even just the supportiveness or even just the like the prolific content that we're still putting out now. And they're like, I maybe I would like to be into that. There's a lot of people in my server who have been in the fandom for less than six months, which is like mind blowing. In the next episode, we'll be expanding on the care and support of the SPN family to outside the borders of fandom. As Robin, that last voice you heard alluded to, folks outside the fandom can end up joining the SPN family through the charity work that was started by the fandom. Turns out when the SPN family puts their minds to it, we can make a huge impact in the lives of those who haven't even seen a single episode of Supernatural. And I'm a charity nerd. I love, I basically spend all my days reading about how do you affect the most positive change. And yes, that voice you just heard was Random Acts Executive Director and Supernatural actor, Rachel Miner. Don't worry, we'll be hearing more from her and other charity nerds in the next episode when we tackle the broader impacts of fandom. Before the credits, I wanted to make a quick reminder that you can support the show by rating and reviewing it on Apple Podcasts. 
Your review goes a long way in helping other listeners to discover the show, and I would be eternally grateful. Oh, and if you want to hear even more fan voices, I highly recommend Lindsay Burness's book, There Will Be Peace When You Are Done. Each chapter is written by a different fan or actor from Supernatural, and it's a really lovely collection of some unique voices and perspectives. Editorial support was provided by Dr. Anna Funk. Music was composed and performed by Chris Scott. Cover art was designed by Liz Hand. Thanks to Ditch Lily Tiger, Jen, aka Wayward Photographer, Meg, Rupert Gaze, Danny, and Marissa for supporting the show through Kofi. In Defense of Fandom was made possible through an unhealthy obsession and your support via Kofi. If you're not already supporting the show and you'd like to, you can find a link in the show notes to our Kofi. Your support is deeply appreciated. <laughs>